Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hi, right, busy night. Lots going on. Whether you're a college basketball fan, NHL fan, NBA fan, Phoenix Open fan, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and of course, the National Football League. They're so brilliant. Uh, they keep us uh, entertained 12 months a year. Tonight, the award show. Kelly Clarkson will have it for you. Okay. Don't know if there's going to be any um you know entertainment uh, musically speaking or um uh, if there'll be any uh you know comedy involved i i don't know i'll have to sit back and watch it it's the 12th annual nfl honor show and you know right out of the gate you're going to get the coach of the year you're going to get the associated press coach of the year it's down to 3 okay we were told who that was recently among those is Doug Peterson, after a 9-8 and eight season here, including going 1-1 one one in the playoffs, I believe that all these awards only count for the regular season, and the voting actually takes place before anything that happens playoff-wise, which does make sense because, let's face it, two teams who make it to the Super Bowl, in this case Philadelphia and Kansas City, most awards are going to go to the team who goes the farthest, uh, the farthest, and, you know, as well, the team who, in a lot of cases, en- ends up winning the Super Bowl. But we'll get that tonight. The understanding is that, really, the major competition for Peterson is going to be right out of New York City, and that is with Brian Dayball. I, I, I do think that, you know, New York is obviously the number one market uh, in the country, and... The Giants, uh, there's just so much in and around that team, whether you love it or hate it. I'm not going to pound the table here and say small market Jacksonville like we were doing a year ago when Tony Baselli, uh, we found out, was nominated into the 2022 Professional Football Hall of Fame. I think it's tough to be big market, small market now because of social media. And there's plenty of access. To me, it's about winning and losing. You saw what happened around here when the Jaguars started winning games. You know, that five-game losing streak in October, then coming out a couple of weeks later and just getting blasted by Detroit, yet you win, people find their way here to Duval. I still think when it's New York, though, eh, it makes you wonder. This isn't quite the NBA where I, I think we could even go as far as to say a conspiracy um, but my understanding is that Dayball is the leader in the clubhouse. Kyle Shanahan is there as well. Shanahan went 13-4 and this year in San Francisco, and he did it with four quarterbacks. So that's pretty impressive. Okay, Brian Dayball, first year in New York City, 9-7-1 and overall. Of course, Doug Peterson did go 9-8. and So we'll see. I, you know, 
this is how I feel because I'm getting ready to switch gears to the Hall of Fame. As far as individual awards, it, it, it doesn't mean a lot to me, but I think it means a lot to some of you. And, you know, I obviously would love to see this for Doug Peterson because he's such a likable guy, okay? he He's very consistent in the way that he handles things. And, you know, even to go back to Trevor Lawrence's uh, love letter yesterday, which was absolutely spectacular, that, that one point that I can't get through is Trevor honestly admitting that after the coaching change that he saw players who wanted to be anywhere besides here. And even though there was speculation, even though it was probably a conversation that you had with your friends and you had with your family, it was never outed by anyone. And, and, and I think the reason for that is professionalism. I think the reason for that is these players are under contract and you know, they're not going to say anything that is going to affect their paycheck. Obviously, privately, all sorts of different things get said. But Doug Peterson is the major reason why all of that began to change. And we heard about it as early as, you know, the offseason camps. And then once you got into training camp, and you're always going to hear the right stuff. How Urban Meyer was trying to sell us on the right stuff. Every coach kills it. Not named Scott Gase, right? Every coach kills the presser, college and pro. When's the last time a coach lost the press conference? It very rarely happens because, for the most part, a coach comes in when a coach gets fired, and you're starting from scratch, and it's a rebuild. Yeah, I know there's been some scenarios around here, particularly in college football, where Jimbo and and Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer and any host of uh, Kane's coaches. You can go back to Schnellenberger and Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson and and Butch Davis. Uh, Those coaches were the exception of the rule because they moved on for what they felt were better jobs. And every one of those jobs was a better job except for Jimbo's knucklehead decision to go to Texas A&M where he has never finished better than third place in the SEC West. So anyway, my point is... I'm not a huge fan of individual awards. To me, it's about winning a Super Bowl, okay? To me, it's about the ultimate prize. Uh, but I've, I've raised this question before. I believe it was Pro Bowl talk or All-American talk. Fans do care. And, you know what, originally last week, there wasn't a member of the Jaguars who was selected to the Pro Bowl Because guys are having surgery, other guys are obviously playing in this game coming up on Sunday, it opened it up, so three guys ended up going, and it does mean a lot to Jaguar fans. So, you know, if Doug Peterson gets this tonight, uh, I'm going to be, you know, happy for him, Uh, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's all about the long-term effect, and that is to try to win a Super Bowl in this city. All right, comments on that, 641-1010 on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Um, feel free to voice your opinion. Let's get to what I think is now incredibly important, and that is the Hall of Fame. Last year, I think we all felt that this was the time for Tony Baselli, and it was. And it was a great moment. Uh, you know, I happened to be in Columbus for the 
you know, the setting. Uh, certainly they played against the Raiders in a preseason game, but all the events that, that led up to it, including his enshrinement, and it wasn't even close. There were more fans uh, from Duval and more fans representing the Jacksonville Jaguars than any other uh, fan base. And, you know, Baselli's uh, post-Hall um, of Fame party was absolutely magnificent. It was it was out on a farm, and it was done uh, in a just an incredible way. It, it, it was so good to uh, just be, um, you know, invited to it to be able to see how cool that actual scenario was. And, you know, Fred Taylor was there. Uh, other former players uh, were there. And, you know, we start talking about Fred Taylor. I, I, I really believe that Fred is close. I do. My, my guess is it's a window of probably two to three years. I, I just, if you look at the overall numbers and where Fred Taylor is, it's, you know, but you got those New York writers and he's a Hall of Fame voter the other day, uh, I think it was Vic Carucci. I don't want to miss, uh, miss the name here. I think it was Vic. If not, I may be incorrect. So, let me leave the name blank until I, I look it up once again. But someone was making a case about how um, Tiki Barber is more deserving than Fred Taylor. And, you know, I went and I looked at the numbers and I'm like, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. What a, uh, what, what a pathetic statement to make. And, you know, the two things that have always hurt Fred Taylor is they're going to say he didn't make enough Pro Bowls. And... You know, he did play in the small market. If you look at all-time leading rushers, you have the two players who recently retired who were not in. Frank Gore with 16,000 career yards. And you also have, uh, where is Adrian Peterson? Adrian Peterson is fifth all-time. 14,918 yards. Every other running back, until you get to number 17, where Fred Taylor is, has already been elected into the Hall of Fame. Fred Taylor has 11,695 yards. Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, again, Gore will get in. You know that. Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson will get in. You know that. Curtis Martin, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jerome Bettis, Eric Dickerson, Tony Dorsett, Jim Brown, Marshall Falk, Ed Jaron James, Marcus Allen, and now the late Franco Harris, along with Thurman Thomas. Those are your top 16. You got guys right behind Fred Taylor who were in. John Riggins, O.J. Simpson at 19 and 21, uh, respectively, when you look at all-time rushers in the NFL. If, If you examine it this way, where is Fred's competition? Okay, right behind him is Steven Jackson, 11,438 career yards. Steven Jackson averaged 4.1 yards a carry. Fred Taylor averaged 4.6 yards a carry. Better than, I want to say, 13 of the 16 that are ahead of him on the all-time leading uh, list as far as rushes. What hurts Fred Taylor is certainly injuries. You know, in the pinnacle of, of his career, 19, you know, make it 2001. He went out after a game and a half, only had 116 yards. That was one season after he had 1,399 yards. And then after the injury, he came back with three consecutive seasons 
of 1314 rushing, 1,572, 1,224 before getting injured again in 2005 and only playing 11 games but having nearly 800 yards. So injuries has crushed him. And, you know, Gale Sayers had a very small amount of games played. Uh, obviously, this was the, the major conversation that we had forever with Tony Baselli. D- did he play enough games? Did he have enough time, uh, enough service to go into the hall? I, I want to say now, and I don't want to be incorrect here again, but he's either second or third for the fewest games ever played in the NFL, who's in the Hall of Fame. I think it's Dwight Stevenson, I want to say, is one, and then he's right there with Gail Sayers. And obviously, Tony is now in. But, but Fred, there's a little bit of lack of, uh, of uh, I believe, uh, recognition uh, that he truly does deserve. What, one thing that hurt Fred is that he was a touchdown, mach- he was a touchdown machine early in his career. I mean, Fred Taylor, his rookie season in uh, 1998, had 14 rushing touchdowns, and he had three receiving touchdowns, okay? Um, We know he was injured in his second year, only played 10 games. He had six touchdowns rushing, and then he returned and played 13 games in the year 2000. In 13 games, he had 12 rushing touchdowns, two more receiving touchdowns. So Fred Taylor, in two and a half years, began his career with 32 rushing touchdowns in two and a half years. And then he just, you know, it fell off uh, completely. His high the rest of the way through was eight in 2002, and it was single digits. I mean, I'm looking at six, two, three, five, five, one, four, then zero. Uh, his final year in New England. So he doesn't have a ton of rushing touchdowns. He's only got 66 lifetime. I think that's a category uh, that, in fact, may hurt him. So let's get to what I want to do tonight. And again, I'd I'd love to get your feedback on it at 641-1010. Fred is going to get in. He's next man up at running back. Okay, now, it'd be nice for him to get in before some of these others are coming up, like Frank Gore. And like um, Adrian Peterson, but I I do think it's going to happen again in the next two to three years. The Jimmy Smith situation is very interesting, and and it's it's clouded. It is tonight. There are three wide receivers out of the final fifteen who remain. If you are a Jimmy Smith fan, you need at least one tonight, and hopefully two. Tonight, when you look at Reggie Wayne, when you look at Andre Johnson, when you look at Torrey Holt, and some may forget that Torrey Holt actually did play the final year of his career uh, in the National Football League right here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I will tell you that I think two first ballot guys, first year on the ballot, are automatically getting in tonight. And that is Joe Thomas, you know, a 10-time, 10 consecutive uh, Pro Bowls a dominant offensive lineman who never misplays for the Cleveland Browns. And I also think that, you know, Daryl Rivas, um, again, a a situation where you had Rivas's island, his battles with Randy Moss, and also the fact that he played in two monster markets. I mean, Daryl Rivas was in New York City, and Daryl Rivas 
was in Boston. I, I, I think that helps, even though I'm contradicting myself a little bit by trying to get us through big market, small market. I guess the best way for me to say it is if you do these type of things in a market like New York, it's going to help you more than any other market. That's probably the way I want to say it. But I think those two are in. That leaves three. When I return here from our first break, I'm going to get into that a little bit. I, I spent quite a bit of time today really breaking down these three wide receivers. And as far as I'm concerned, they're all absolutely worthy of getting in. All three of them, when it's said and done, in my opinion, are, are going to end up getting into uh, the Hall of Fame. But again, that's that's my opinion. And I happen to be a huge supporter of numbers, and I do it in a way that errors are compared to errors, all right? I mean, you can look at Lynn Swan's numbers and Dante Stallworth's numbers, and you can look at Drew Pearson's numbers and Cliff Branch's numbers, and you can go on and on and on, and they don't compare to these numbers. I do understand that the game's changed. I also do understand that the games went from 12 to 14 to 16 to 17. I also understand that nowadays quarterbacks throw for 4,000-plus yards, yet they have a completion percentage of, in some aspects, you know, around 55% in on losing teams, I still don't think you should, you know, punish the receiver for achieving these phenomenal numbers. Others will disagree. And if you do, fine. Six four one ten ten on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. But those are my two to begin. I got three more out of the remaining 12. And obviously, wide receiver is on my mind. Uh, pass rush defensive ends is on my mind. It's going to be announced tonight, but I want to come back here and uh, basically tell you what I think is going to happen and explain my way through that. And then on top of that, kind of what I just did with Fred Taylor at running back, who's in front of Jimmy Smith? Who needs to get in so Jay Smooth can join Boselli? I believe Taylor in two to three years, and then it's Jay Smooth. In my opinion, for Jimmy, it's probably six or seven years away, and I'll explain that to you as we get things rolling here on the other side. You know the bed feels warmer. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Oh, it's so catchy. Didn't she win? Is she like one of the first who ever won, like, America's Got Talent? American Idol. I never got into any of that stuff. My daughters did early. and You know, you kind of like stare at the TV, but you don't really know what's going on. (laughs) I, I remember That's what happens when you get old. The only thing I really remember from the early American Idols was that the She Bangs guy. So, like, half of American Idol was, you know, finding this new young American phenom that no one knew about who works at some coffee shop. The other half was about making fun of terrible singers. He, I think he made a lot of money. He did. They'd William, hire him from, like, bachelor parties and William stuff. William Hung, I think his name was. 
Ron Jeremy's no longer available since he's he's, <laughs> he's in prison. He, he, mentally, his mind has left him. Yeah, he's not going to go to prison. Instead, they're going to throw him in the round room. Oh, that's the latest there. Uh, but they used to bring in guys like that to bachelor parties, and then William what was his Hung. name again? William, William Hung? Hung. All right. Conversation here on the Hall of Fame in one moment. I did not mention my good folks at Schmunez Vision. Yes, I do. They bring you opening comments each and every night. Hey, folks, the most expensive thing isn't always the best thing, okay? That's in life. Do your due diligence and figure things out. You may have uh, a situation where you have cataracts. You're over 50. You're thinking, "Uh uh-uh, I need cataract surgery. Not true. Just because you have cataracts does not mean you need cataract surgery. Let me tell you what you need to do. Make an appointment. Schmunez Vision, 299-2906. Sit down, have a full eye exam, and you will be told exactly what you need. I hope many of you out there are candidates for laser eye surgery. Why? Can you imagine the rest of your days never having to deal with contacts, glasses, or readers. If that's what you want, any one of the three, well, certainly they're outstanding in that particular field as well. Family organization, Schmunez Vision, high quality medical and surgical eye care. I swear by them. And I want you to visit them as well. 299-2906 or go to schmunezvision.com. All right, let's get after it here. Hall of Fame tonight. Joe Thomas is in, in my opinion. Daryl Revis is in, in my opinion. Let's get to the wide receivers. And before I get to that, I I just want to tell you that if I was voting, this is what I would do. AP Most Valuable Player of the Year, Trevor Lawrence. AP Coach of the Year, Doug Peterson. AP Comeback Player of the Year, uh, I'm going to go with Devon Hamilton. AP Offensive Player of the Year, Christian Kirk. AP Defensive Player of the Year. Rayshon Jenkins, AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, Snoop Connor, AP Defensive Rookie of the Year, Trayvon Walker, Best Moment of the Year, down 27-0, a come-from-behind victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. What do you think? I think Adele would have an issue with that. I'm fine with it, though. Okay. Just want to get that out. Unbiased? Yes, absolutely. I think I would hang on to my uh, my vote uh, for quite some time. All right, let's get to the three. One's going to get in tonight, two from the U, the other at NC State. I look at these three wide receivers, and the first thing that comes to mind is they all beat Florida State. Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, and I'm telling you, there was a time where Chris Wenke and the boys went to Raleigh, and Torrey Holt put up five touchdowns. Against Florida State. 211 games played for Reggie Wayne. 1,070 receptions. That's 10th all time. 14,345 yards. 10th all time. 82 touchdowns. Okay? That is tied for 28th with Anquan Bolden. Reggie Wayne goes into the Hall of Fame tonight. I'm not penalizing him for playing with Peyton Manning. I'm not penalizing him for playing more games than Andre Johnson and Torrey Holt. Let's get to Andre Johnson, 193 career games, 1,062 career receptions. That's 11th all-time. 14,185 yards. That's 11th all-time. Touchdown 70 tied for 49th all-time. 
Not this year. But I believe in 2024, 2025, Andre Johnson gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Torrey Holt only played 173 games. Torrey Holt, 920 receptions. That's 22nd all-time. 13,382 yards. That's 17th. 74 touchdowns tied for 40th. I really believe this, J.J. I believe tonight Torrey Holt goes and Reggie Wayne and Andre Johnson do not go. Whoa. I, that's the sense I I've, I've done a lot. I've I don't done think, a, I mean, if, I've Torrey, done a lot of research on this, and and, and this is what I believe is going to. I so would vote year, Reggie Wayne. What year is this for Tory Holt? That probably has a lot to do with it too, because there's. <sighs> I mean, he can't hold these guys as jock. Like uh, Tory Holt to me was always a great player. 2095 years. That's 14. So yeah, he, this is probably his eighth or ninth year on the ballot. Great player on a great offense that was known for scoring a lot of points, but. Never a Hall of Famer in my mind. Uh, just going based on, like, what do you think immediately about a guy? Yeah. But the other two, I'm very biased, but they are so much better than him. Well, they're both getting in. Yes. I just don't know if it's this year. Again, for the record, if I was a voter, I'm putting in Reggie Wayne. Let's check it tonight, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Why do I believe Tory Holt's going to get in? We'll see. All right, that, that's my uh, my thought there. Now, Jimmy Smith. Part of the reason why I'm raising this is for Fred Taylor and Jimmy Smith. Jimmy's in a log jam here. Jimmy needs these players to get into the Hall of Fame. The best thing that happened to Jimmy Smith tonight would be for Holt, Johnson, and Wayne uh, to all get in. Okay, Fitzgerald is second all time in yards. He's still what four years away. He's getting in. Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, recently Isaac Bruce uh, went in. Tim Brown, Steve Smith Jr. is eighth all time. I mean, look at Steve Smith Jr., 14,731 yards, 81 touchdowns, and 1,031 receptions. Okay, Steve Smith is going into the Hall of Fame. There's absolutely no question uh, about that. Marvin Harrison has been inducted lately. Then it's Wayne jo- and Johnson, respectively, as I said, at 10 and 11. You get to guys a little bit longer in the tooth. Um, you know, James Lofton, Chris Carter, 14th all-time in yardage, Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden is going to get into the Hall of Fame. He's the next Florida State Seminole to get in. 1,076 receptions, 13,779 yards, and 82 touchdowns. He didn't make the final 15 this year. He was part of the final 25, so it's probably three, four years away for Ian Quan Bolden. But he needs to get in. Uh, Henry Ellard hasn't played since 98. He's 15th. You got Julio Jones, who's probably going to call it a career, right? Will he play one more? You know, you need to get out and get ahead of him. And then you have Torrey Holt, who we are discussing. Outside of that, the only players ahead of Jimmy Smith all time when you look at receiving yards, Irving Fryer and Brandon Marshall. Now, Antonio Brown, I should put in ahead of him as well, and that itself is a, a very lengthy conversation. I, I don't know how you can keep Antonio Brown out of the Hall of Fame. I mean, when he played, he was the best there was, but he's such a, you know, he has such a 10-cent head. Look, look at the baseball voters. voters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they keep almost anyone they want out. So if football yeah. does that, I could definitely see him not making it. Obviously, deserved. He 
definitely deserves to get in. So, there's three with the three that are there tonight. But you're looking at about seven to eight guys that are ahead of Jimmy Smith. There's only two who are ahead of Fred Taylor. And again, they have four more years of wait in Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. So for Hall of Fame fans here in town who want to see Jimmy get in, you need to have one or two a year from that particular position get in. The best thing that could happen tonight would be for two of these three wide receivers to end up getting in to the Hall of Fame. I, I, I think I would be surprised if, in fact, that did happen. Um, but nonetheless, that's what you need to hope for if you want to see it take place. So here are my five. Joe Thomas, Daryl Revis, Reggie Wayne. Getting to the quarterback is huge, right? Uh, first year on the ballot is Dwight Franey. I'm a little... I'm a little into that whole first year on the ballot. And I, I, I know that, I mean, we were just talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame. We were talking about Jeff Kent, and we were talking about Scott Rowland, and we were talking about Todd Helton. And you look at the difference in the voting over the last couple of years, Jeff Kent all of a sudden received a significantly lower amount of votes. And the whole feeling is, well, he hasn't picked up a bat in 10 years. Why is that the case? So I do criticize a little bit how the voting process does work. But to me, first year on the ballot does mean something. Yeah, if you're a first bad Hall of Famer, you are, you know, elite of the elite. Um, so, yeah, we made fun of the fact that Scott Rowland got like 17% or something of the vote the first time around. Um, but I still think it should be higher than that, you know. I'm going to take... Is there any first ballot guys that you think are getting in this time? Yeah, two. Joe Thomas? Joe Thomas and Daryl Rivas. Okay. Those are my two. And, and, and I think the, the feeling of the third guy consistently has been Dwight Freeney. I'm going to take DeMarcus Ware. There's three ends. You have Jared Allen, you have Dwight Freeney, and you have DeMarcus Ware. Ware is ninth all-time with 138-and-a-half career sacks. I actually thought he'd get in a year ago, and he did not. So this is a holdover for me. He becomes my fourth guy. The fifth guy is one that I can see that I'm going to have a complaint with. Honestly, I'd put in Patrick Willis. I thought when he played, Patrick Willis was arguably one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Why do I believe that Zach Thomas is going to get it tonight? Also down the road, you know, if you look at Leroy Butler, who got in a year ago, and you really examine his numbers, and I understand that Leroy was a safety and then you look at Rondé Barber and the numbers that he has put up. The numbers support that for Barber. He was a Super Bowl winning uh, defensive back. But the way I also look at it is, is honestly, during his heyday, was he the fourth best defensive player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I mean, he wasn't Derek Brooks. He wasn't Warren Sapp. Simeon Rice had a whole ton of sacks. John Lynch was absolutely phenomenal. Where do you put now? That didn't affect the Steel Curtain defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It hasn't affected, you know, some great old school Dallas Cowboy defenses. Uh, does he become a a victim because of the players around him who were so good? Am I overthinking this a little bit too much? Perhaps, uh, but I would not be surprised if that ends up happening. So. 
Zach Thomas, to me, very good football player, no doubt about it. But I, I, I have to put DeMarcus Ware and I have to put Rondé Barber ahead of him. So, my final five, Joe Thomas, Daryl Revis, Reggie Wayne, DeMarcus Ware, and I am going to go Rondé Barber. For the record, JJ, and I want your five. For the record, this is what I believe the Hall of Fame committee is going to do. Joe Thomas, Daryl Revis, Tory Holt, Devin Hester Jr. as a return man, and Zach Thomas. I'm the biggest Hurricane fan there is, but I mean, does a kick returner really belong in the NFL Hall of Fame? Like, he couldn't play any other position. He was so bad as a receiver, they couldn't even put him out there. You know, he was terrible as a running back. I, he's a specialist. I would... I wouldn't put him in. I would love it if he gets in, but I don't think he's going to get in just because of that. Um, Give me your five. Joe Thomas. Patrick Willis, I don't think, played enough. Man, I would really like to vote for him. Yeah, but I, he I was told so why I good, but he played yeah. like seven years. Oh, yeah. It was a Tony Baselli career. It was. Um, I would definitely have Andre Johnson. I would have mm-hmm. Andre Johnson ahead of Reggie Wayne. I think he was much better. Okay. Um, Reggie Wayne got lucky with the quarterback he played with. Still a great player. Um, I would... I would have Reggie Wayne. Where's that three? I would probably have Dwight Freeney in there. And am I missing one? I like the Demarcus Ware. Okay. I looked that up. I wasn't sure, but um, man, he had an amazing career. The reason why I think Holt gets in, even though I would uh, submit Wayne and you would put in Andre Johnson, you look at career receiving average. Tory Holt fourteen point five, Johnson and Wayne thirteen point four. And he's got a ring, uh huh. Which we you... all know that means way too much than it should with these NFL voters. You know, Jimmy Smith. Uh, Jimmy Smith had a career receiving average of fourteen point three. Okay, that that's nearly a yard longer than Andre Johnson and Reggie Wayne, who, in my opinion, it, it goes you know without saying that those two are going to go into the Hall of Fame. 14.3 is, is is a yard longer than Marvin Harrison, who averaged 13.2. Let's look at the great Steve Smith that I think I, Smith had the same thing with him there at, at, at 14.3. Isaac Bruce got an – wow. Isaac Bruce was 14.9. Let's see what Rice and Owens were. Rice was 14.8. Uh, see, these are numbers that I think are over, often overlooked. I, I I think it's receptions, and, you know, it's a triple crown. It's receptions, it's yards, and it's uh, touchdowns. touchdowns. People love counting stats. Mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald, 12.2. Terrell Owens, 14.8. Whoa. My goodness, Randy Moss had it. Randy Moss was 15.6. That that has to be Tom's Almost all-time. like a yard over yeah. everyone. I mean, I don't even know who would be close to that. Let me look back and some speedsters from way back, when, like a like a Charlie Joyner or something. Charlie Joyner was 16-2. What about Are Homer you Jones? Me? Charlie Joyner caught 750 balls for 12,140. He averaged 16.2 a reception. Absolutely incredible if you look at what he was able to do. Oh, my God. This is going to blow you away. Henry Ellard. 
a reception. So, hey, back in the era where you were told That's what it's, I'm a, saying. Like the it's top, a running era. The top 40 is all old guys. Uh, you get to Deshaun Jackson, who's one of the newer ones, 17.6. <clears throat> all right. You want to comment on this? I love it. I love this. Yeah, I, it's weird because I stayed right across the street from the Hall of Fame, and I didn't visit it because I, I, I'm just not – I don't know. It's not the museum you care about. No, it's, I, it's the guys it's that the are It's the award. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I – you know, I I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's it's honestly one. I'd rather scrub the toilets here at Ten Ten XL with with a toothbrush than go back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We have interns that do that. Uh, it was awful. I you know I lived an hour away from the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield. I never wanted to go. I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame when I was young, probably twelve, and it was a it was a great time. Uh, but I I don't know why I just didn't want to go to the football. Uh, Hall of Fame, but I do care so much about who gets in to the Hall of Fame, if that makes any sense to you. Um, Maybe it does, maybe it does not. All right, let's grab some of your thoughts on this, whether it's tonight's or, you know, my my cast, JJ's cast, you agree with me on Fred that it's two to three years away. What about Jimmy? You know, I mean, there's more players in front of him, probably eight to nine to ten that he has got to navigate his way through, and the best way for that to happen is to start to have one, maybe two wide receivers on a year-to-year basis go into the National Football League Hall of Fame. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, the text line is burning up. Thank you to Lifetime Enclosures, 641-1010. Everyone has an opinion, and we love it. Ah, the soft ballad of the Beach Boys and the incomparable J.J. LaSelva has an important announcement. Yes, the Beach Boys, or what's left of the Beach Boys, will be performing at St. August Amphitheater. That is uh, Saturday the 25th. Um, so we have a couple tickets for you. 641-1010. Do you want to give them away? Uh, they have to answer a special question that you have ready for us? Or do you want to just give them away? I'm going to, uh, oh, no. I, I've got something I know I, I I just love, though, when folks hang on to a name. I remember going yes. to see the Harlem Globe, Globetrotters in uh, in Tallahassee in, like, the early 90s. I'm like, wait, where's Curly Neal? Where's, where's Meadowlark Lemon, man? I mean, every on Wild World of Sports, Meadowlark Lemon from half court, the guy never missed. He did that. It wasn't a sky hook like Abdul-Jabbar. It was a, it was a funky hook that came down. It was like a haymaker. It came from, like, his ankle, and he never missed it. These people can't cheat. Hang up the phone on them. No cheating. I haven't even asked the question yet. Uh, but, you know, I, like, Yes was in town recently, and they had, like, one original member. Uh, yes, so instrumental in the history of progressive rock, you know, adding um, organs and percussions and synthesizers and with their harmony, but um, anyway. March 5th, by the way. Sorry, got the date wrong. March, March 5th. March 5th, St. Augustine Amphitheater. Great place to see a concert. Yep. No doubt about it. I saw um, 
Oh, never mind. I'll leave that alone. Let's get to it. <laughs> I've seen many shows there. Uh, s- s- some great shows. All right. Um, we'll take random calls here. 641-1010. I got two tickets. Here's what I need. What original member of the Beach Boys allowed the cult of the family, along with Charles Manson, to live with him for a short period of time in the Hollywood Hills of Los Angeles? Sounds like a blast. In the Neil Young book I wrote uh, that I read recently... Um, he said that he was actually there and saw Charlie and all that stuff. So we'll take some calls. 641-1010. Need the name of the Beach Boy. Hello, who's this? You are up. Hello. Hey, who's this? This is Jim. I want to say, which Beach Boy? Yes, give us the name. Brian Wilson. What's that? Brian Wilson? It is not Brian Wilson, but we appreciate the effort. 641-1010. When we pull you up, please turn down your radio. I need an answer. Who's this, please? Hello, who's this, please? David, my club. David, give us uh, the answer, please. My club. It is not Mike Love. We appreciate you trying. I'm looking for the original member of the Beach Boys who allowed Charlie Manson, Squeaky From, I mean, uh, what, um, Steve Grogan, Tex Watson, Lisa Kasabian. Uh, help me out. Who was the hot-looking one, the, the model? Um, not Susan Atkin. She's the one who ratted out Charlie in jail. Uh, let's take another one. Six four one ten ten. I need the original Sharon Tate. No, Sharon oh, that's Tate who was killed. Was yeah. Roman Polanski's wife who was murdered. Who's this? Hello, who's hey, this? Hey, truth teller, Jeremy. Hey, what do you got for us, Jeremy? I've got uh, Dennis Wilson. Correct, correct. You are going to see the Beach Boys. Awesome. You're going to be able to make the show? Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Hang on the line. We'll allow you to talk with JJ and certainly enjoy that concert. It's coming up. It's not too long down the road. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank Uh, you. There he goes. And he is the the big winner. What the heck was that? Leslie Van Houten is who I was thinking of. You know, the three girls who shaved their heads with Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Leslie Van Houten. Leslie Van Houten was... Drop dead gorgeous. She was like a, she was like the queen, you know, like the prom queen and all that stuff. But uh, hey, LSD can make you do some crazy things. No doubt about it. All right, uh, let's get to it. My God, look at the text line. I love it. I love when this is happening. 2205 Baloo, Jimmy ain't getting it. Well, you know. We'll see. Um, 6121. Hey, dude, I'm I'm an old guy. LOL. Well, okay. There's nothing wrong uh, with being old. 3872 Blue, we've had this conversation before. Do you think Heinz Ward will get into the Hall of Fame? I do. Heinz Ward, 1,000 career receptions, 1,283 career yards, 85 touchdowns. Absolutely. In, in my opinion, he, he absolutely deserves uh, to get into the Hall of Fame. 5751 says, Rick, you owe me a drink. I just spit up mine over... The AP vote 
for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Snoop Connor. Well, he was my vote. He was. And we'll see if he ends up getting it a little bit later on tonight uh, when that is. You can't hate on the Democratic process, Snoop. Snoop. Remember we had him on? And I was like, I forgot I can, about that. I, I can just imagine Snoop like it's 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 third and one and and seventy thousand seventy thousand <laughs> plus are going Snoop. He was a good interview. He was not a great. Season, I'm not giving but... up on him. He's a fifth round no. pick. You I know? just see guys like Pacheco performing, and I'm like, damn Snoop. Mm-hmm. He got taken like two rounds after you. Seven 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 six. Fred Taylor should have uh, gone in ahead of Terrell Davis. Well, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you, but there's two things that stick out for Terrell Davis. Actually, there's three. John Elway was so great, but couldn't win a Super Bowl until he had Terrell Davis, who went for more than 2,000 yards in one consecutive Super Bowls. I really believe that that winning a – it's not like a World Series. It's not like a Stanley Cup. I don't think it's like an NBA championship. There's something sacred with winning a Super Bowl and the Hall of Fame. I I don't know if I have any facts to back that up, okay? But I believe that. Whether that may, I mean, if Joe, no, I don't want to get into the Joe Namath argument. I I, I just don't. If Joe Namath did not win that Super Bowl. That guarantee would have drifted away forever. And if you look at his numbers, and I understand it was a totally different game, but we're talking about a guy that was just barely over 50% as far as his completion percentage and actually won one less game than he lost in his career. Yet he is absolutely considered a first ballot Hall of Famer. All right, let's continue with this in our second hour. Also want to mix in a little bit on... Mike Norvell, Florida State fans, I want to give you an opportunity to voice your opinion. We didn't have an opportunity to get to it yesterday because we were just so busy uh, with the Trevor Lawrence letter and some other things that were happening. I also just haven't had time to get into this redraft. Um, that's not going away anytime soon. So if, if we don't get to that tonight, which may be difficult to do, uh, maybe that's uh, scheduled for early next week, but it, it, it's certainly something. See, it, what I do, folks, every once in a while is I save stuff because I like to go back to it. Just because something happened on a particular day doesn't mean you have to do it all that day and not revisit it. That's the way I've always kind of looked at it. And to me, this is fascinating, man. Trayvon Walker, they had him fall from 1 to 15. Wow. I mean, that just stinks. It really does. Anyway, let's get ready for our second hour. 641-1010, best way to get a hold of us on the text line that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, getting a lot of good, getting some bad. The 8107 says someone busted with guns and hard drugs should not get into the Hall of Fame. Every Hall of Fame has them. Go back to Ty Cobb. I don't know if he had guns, but he killed someone. Allegedly. Right. The Juice. 
Allegedly. How about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Any guns and drugs there? <laughs> Lawyers, guns, and money, maybe. Yeah. I mean, listen. That's all right. First of all, guns. Guns uh, are legal. Yeah. In a I don't lot of know play. what you mean by that. And hard drugs. To act like NFL players haven't gone down a bad path after they've retired is absurd. Jimmy's trans transgressions have been absolutely documented. I've had conversations with him about it off air and on air. And I I I, I think that um what perhaps would bother him the most is that he did not tell the truth at the very end. But you know, I mean, how long are you going to hold the man responsible for the mistakes that he made? Okay? I mean, Ray Lewis is in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Yeah. Well, Someone asked me the other day, did I see that new documentary that's out on Baltimore? And I haven't. I don't know if I want to see it. First off. Speaking of Jimmy Smith, he destroyed that team. Yeah, I love Brian Billick. He's one of my favorite all-time coaches. He's just such a great talker. I enjoy uh, the the times that I've been able to interview. I've always enjoyed him. But that Super Bowl, that media day, to to right now, was one of the – Worst moments for players in the history of the game when Shannon Sharp stood up, put his arm around Ray Lewis and told the media not to ask questions about the murder and and to do things this way and do things that way. Uh, now, again, I don't think, and I know he's on TV now, I don't think anyone's ever going to accuse Shannon Sharp of being smart. But you can never tell... Someone like myself or a writer or a TV guy, how to do their job. So I'm guessing it didn't work. Oh, (laughs) I mean, can you imagine? I mean, you know, the egos uh, in in our business. And and I'm talking about some of the major national network guys or, or back in that era that that was when, you know, being a columnist. Uh, like when I was in Chicago and it was Jay Mariotti for the Chicago Sun-Times and it was Skip Bayless for the Chicago Tribune, well, that that actually meant something back then. You can't tell people like that with their egos that you're not allowed to ask about what Ray Lewis did. And, Dick Shap. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Shannon Sharp just, I think it was one of the most embarrassing moments we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. I don't remember that. I have oh, to look yeah. that up. I remember that Super Bowl, how terrible it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yada, 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 73, 84. Uh, Jimmy was number one of the best wide receivers of his time. Uh, yada, yada. All right, uh, Baloo. Um, this is Jag Scott trying to ask, for what receivers does he think is better than Jimmy Smith if you look at his stats and numbers? Well, I mean, there's quite a few, and I'm not saying that as a slight, but, I mean, Jerry Rice, Larry Fitzgerald, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, um, those ones automatically stick out uh, for me. Um, you know, as far as flat-out speed, you could really put Jimmy out there, but it was a different era. I mean, you you have folks who covered the game back in the 70s and 80s who would tell you that Lynn Swan was better, that John Stallworth was better, that Steve Largent was better, that Art Monk and Charlie Joyner were better. Um, 
I, you know, Michael Irvin, three Super Bowls. Michael Irvin's statistics don't blow you away, but during his career, I mean, the man put up massive numbers. So, I mean, you could even go as far. I, I mean, where do you put Chris Carter? Where do you put James Lofton? Where do you put Tim Brown? Where, where do you put all these guys? I, Jimmy Smith, to me, is probably one of the top 25 to 30 wide receivers in the history of the game, which to me equals being in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, you also got to go back to the days of like, you know, Don Maynard, right? And um, who was the former uh, Patriots coach that's on the tip of my tongue uh, when he caught uh, Ray Berry, you know, Raymond Berry catching passes from, from Johnny Unitas. I mean, what about a guy like Freddie Bolitnikoff? And Cliff Branch, when they were playing uh, with Ken Stabler, we're talking about different eras. And, and again, I salute numbers, okay? Jimmy Smith's numbers blow away Bolitnikoff and Charlie Taylor and Raymond Berry and John Stallworth and Cliff Branch and Lynn Swan and Harold Carmichael and Paul Warfield and Tommy McDonald and Bobby Mitchell, and uh, Bobby Mitchell, I guess, was a back. Um, but they're in the Hall of Fame because it was a totally different era, okay? It's hard to compare and contrast. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm also one of those guys who absolutely positively does not believe that you should penalize guys for longevity or penalize guys for putting up big numbers. Look at Jacksonville's Bob Hayes, okay? Bob Hayes, 132 games, 371 receptions, okay? 7,414 yards. Bob Hayes averaged 20 yards a reception in his career from 1965 to 1975 with 71 touchdowns. The guy caught 371 balls. And obviously, he is in the Hall of Fame. So, it's hard. What I'm trying to do is compare Jimmy Smith to Isaac Bruce, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden, Torrey Holt, you know, Antonio uh, and Brown, uh, Antonio Brown, you know, guys over the last 20 years, you know, late 90s through the modern day, the, the last 25 plus years. Certainly Heinz Ward, Derek Mason. Hey, here's Derek Mason. Let's, let's look at him. His numbers are very similar to Jimmy Smith. Derek Mason played 230 games, 943 receptions, 12,000 61 yards, an average of 12.8 per with 66 touchdowns. Those are some very impressive numbers. I don't think they're as good as Jimmy Smith's numbers. Okay, Jimmy Smith played, what, 213? Jimmy Smith played 178 games. Jimmy Smith had 862 receptions, 12,287 yards, an average of 14.3 and 67 touchdowns. But this is, this is the beauty of it. This, this is why I love this, and, you know, I really care a lot about it. Uh, 
the Hockey Hall of Fame. I, I, I can't believe that there are goal scorers with more than 500 career goals who are not in the Hall of Fame. I, I just can't believe that that is still out there. It, it makes absolutely uh, zero sense to me, but there you have it. All right, getting a ton on this. And um, uh, 2009, how dumb was Bob Hayes' coach? Average over 20 yards a catch, but only got about three a game. Well, that was a great Tom Landry. Okay. And I used to be really close with Gil Brandt when I worked with him for seven years. And Gil told us about drafting uh, the bullet Bob Hayes, who, of course, is from here, went to fame you, track star. And in a lot of circles, Bob Hayes is the, the bullet is uh, is considered r- really the the first guy to run a post or run a flag. Back then, the terminology wasn't nearly what it is today. I mean, basically, go deep, and that was uh, uh, the great Bob Hayes. But yeah, it was you know it was Gil Brandt with Tex Schramm and uh, and uh, and Tom Landry. Tom Landry and Tex Schramm have been gone for a, a quite a number of years. Yeah, I really haven't heard much from Gil since he had that slip up a couple of years ago. He made a mistake. Was it about Haskins? I, I don't remember if it was about COVID or... No, was it about Haskins, the quarterback who was hit crossing the road? Oh, yes! Yeah, he questioned his character. Yeah. Like, a little too close to his death, basically. And people shamed him for that. Yeah, it, it, and it's too bad because... Um, Even though everything that he said came out to be true. Right. Um, hey, we all make mistakes. A very troubled young man. We all make mistakes. Some are very regrettable. I, I, you know, I love Gil Brandt. I mean, that that man. We used to have a symposium every year before the start of football, and we bring in Gil Brandt. We bring in Brian Baldinger. We bring in a couple of others. Remember Reg Cashing? Not first familiar. down. First down. The the referee. The infamous first down. We. We'd, we'd fly him in uh, to tell us about the rule changes every year. And this was in like a it, – it, it was a nice event. It was um, – it probably lasted like six hours, okay? And they would all talk, but there were, you know, there were, there were cocktails and hors d'oeuvres, and it was supposed to be a friendly uh, get-together, but it was basically bounce stuff, you know, off – all of these folks who, who knew so much about it, you know, someone else that we were getting. Um, uh, anyway, that. Do you, you know, want to hear a red cash? The Derek first Thomas call? thing. We were ready to do it. We, Derek Thomas, as well, and then unfortunately he passed. Oh. It was, it was really a sad story. Yeah, give it to us. Play. It's a first down. If they yeah, indeed is against Pittsburgh, it'll be a first and goal. Offsides. Number 91 on the defense. That penalty is declined. Touchdown! Oh! Yeah! <laughs> the crowd loves it. Uh, he was great. <laughs> he, it was really fun to meet Red Cashin. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is, I think it's Ron Cherry. Is he the giving yes. him the business guy? I loved Ron yeah. Cherry. <laughs> he All was at the ACC for a long time. Mm hmm. I mean, it's. <laughs> giving him the business. I'm losing a lot of. Uh, I'm losing a lot of. Uh, uh, of listeners here, it's like you're not allowed to say that you actually love or admire a referee <laughs> yeah. or an official. Um, but I felt the same way about like Ron Luciano. 
You ever read the book, The Umpire Strikes Back? No. Oh, my God. Ron Luciano, who would at first base would shoot guys out. Can you imagine doing that now? (laughs) He would take both his hands like Like a gun, kind of like the wild coyote or whatever. and, 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 you know, if a guy was out by five, six feet at first base, he'd shoot him. And then remember Eric Gregg, who had that law back in the days where you, they used to have the big protector. That they would hold in front of their right. chest. Yeah. And, and Gregg would give you the whole kind of like, it's almost like, you know, an early morning before you're going to play golf and you start stretching out your back just a little bit. Greg would give you that overblown strike. Oh, yeah. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see uh, Rick do all these. My favorite <laughs> is the guy who... Uh, on the strikeout call, will just like put his hand up in the air really fast, uh-huh. like throw a right hand up and then bring it around, and yeah. then do the regular strikeout call with both hands. Mm-hmm. But it's just like he's so excited for the strikeout, he just has to throw his hand up in the air. Can't even contain himself. One of my favorites. Then you had Cowboy Joe West, who allegedly bought the boat that. They dropped the anchor on Judge Schmale's boat from Caddyshack. Allegedly, Cowboy Joe West bought that boat. In real life. In real life. So I, didn't, so I wonder how much, yeah. I wonder how much uh, umps make. Oh, man, they got it well. They get all these perks. You know, they Especially get a per- Joe West. Well, they get a per diem, and they're on the road, and you know they have their, fam- their favorite restaurants. Oh, I think they Joe make- West definitely has his favorite restaurant. So rookie salary, buck and a half, exactly. As of twenty twenty two, one hundred and fifty thousand. You can earn up to four hundred thousand with experience. So Joe Buck's probably close to half a mil a year guy. Now listen, there's some good and bad. First off, in baseball, one hundred fifty grand to start is good money. Here's the downfall, brother. It is a long season. Never see your family, and there's no home base. There. I mean, let's say you live in a city. Let's That's say, a good point. Let's say you live in Tampa. Okay, you, you you may draw some games in St. Petersburg, but you're on the road all the time. You're living out of a hotel, and you're in a job where 99.9% of the time, people hate you. <laughs> everyone hates you. People are the screaming players, at you. The coaches, the yeah. fans, literally everyone. You're never a winner. And the only time you're ever famous for your craft is if people hate you. Like, or if you make the worst mistake ever, you know, a Jim Joyce type mistake. Like, no one knew who he was. Now everyone knows who he is, and it's not because he's a great ump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I never thought about that. If you're a baseball player, you play half your games at home. I would think, yeah, absolutely. If you're an ump, you play none of your games at home. I, you know, when I, I remember in 96, 97, when I first got over and started covering the Jags, and the, there was one year that the Jaguars had, like, three consecutive road games. And, and I can't remember if they actually did have it or there was, like, a conversation where they were going to have it. They had two straight in the I'd have to look back at the schedule. They had two straight in the road, then maybe a bye, then the third in the road. And, and I remember they were complaining about it. And, and, and I'm just, like, looking at it, I'm like, bro, you leave Saturday at noon and you're back Sunday night right after the game. Look at these baseball, basketball, exactly. and hockey players that have to go on the road for sometimes two-plus weeks. And they might get off on Monday. Yeah, you're gone for like 30 hours. Yeah, you know, but but anyway, yeah, that was um, – I, I would think that being an umpire 
because there's 162 games plus spring training. Mm. I would think that would be a great gig if you're single. Yeah, like a 35-year-old, you know, not married, 32-year-old on the road constantly. Hey, at the hotel bar, I work in the bigs. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can get you good seats. I was at the game tonight. Well, I just think it'd be hard on the on the wife and the kids when you're always on the road because you legitimately are gone. That's uh, my a girlfriend great, would love that. <laughs> that's that's a great book, uh, The Umpire Strikes Back. It's on my list now. I've read quite a few. And then you had the Dave Pallone book on the first, uh, which came out in like the late 70s, early 80s. I think it was the early 80s. Dave Pallone, the, the first gay umpire. Okay? And... I think it was called Behind the Mask. And, you know, back in that era, it was a totally different life than it, than it is today where in a lot of circles it, it was not uh, accepted. And he kind of took us through. It was a very fascinating book. Behind the Mask, My Double Life in Baseball. Yes, took you through the, uh, you know, kind of not, uh, not announcing it, but in a very hetero setting. You know, he took a lot of, uh, you know, indirect shots. But uh, ball four is still my favorite baseball. Oh, ball four. You know what? One I, of my friends left it on a plane in France. I let him borrow it. I got to sure. go wrong. I, I, I got to put Bronxville ahead of it just by a tiny bit. I've never read that. The fact that Sparky Lyle would ruin birthday parties by sitting naked oh, in what? cakes. What? Takes, oh, yeah. Sparky Lyle would. He would jump naked into a cake. Like Reggie Jackson or Thurman Munson would get ready to have a happy birthday party. <laughs> he would ruin and it for everyone. Lyle would totally Pearl Harbor him and, <laughs> and go butt first into the cake. Yeah. Bronx Zoo. Bronx Zoo is unbelievable. All right. I believe we have to take a break we here. Do. Are we commercial free this hour? The 7 o'clock hour? Unfortunately, our sponsors don't allow that. All right. These Six, are all great sponsors. Six four one ten ten. That is the best way to get a hold of us right here on the text line that's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Rihanna. Uh, Rihanna, excuse me. <laughs> Rihanna. Yeah, no Christine McVie for Rihanna, but uh, Mick will be there. John McVie, Stevie, and Lindsay. No, it's Rihanna. She met with the media today. Yeah, what do you think about a halftime press conference? Like, what do you ask? I've seen them before. I've seen them with Tom Petty. Like, what Um, are you going to sing? Yeah, they're not going to tell you anything. They... They tell you more about what they're wearing and, and mm-hmm. where they got it. Because, yeah, I guess you can really – you can really – and Rafael Esparza is going to join me in 15. Talk about some of these Super Bowl props. But I guess the big deal is going to be who is she actually bringing on stage. I saw that. There's like three guys right now, Jay-Z, ASAP something, and Drake. And a lot of the entertainers – Lipsick. So, if that's going to be the, you know, she did a song, didn't she do a song recently with Eminem? Yeah, it's been a while, but okay. Yes. So I would think that he's gonna, he's gonna be there. But you have to have those folks in, and 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 to do it that way, I, I would imagine. But. And, and that's how it always works. Is 
with these betting props, they'll have a number for, you know, however long they think the national anthem's going to go. And there's always like a sound guy or somebody, you know, that is there for the rehearsal that times it. And then they leak that to the media and the betting websites and da da da. That's sort of where you get all that stuff. Or like, what songs were they perform? They don't let you just bet like $100,000 on that stuff because they know it's fixed. I haven't bet in over 10 years. There's, there's a little part of me that, that would love to find one prop and only one prop and drop some cash on that. And I tell you the one that I keep going back to. That's Kelsey over six and a half receptions. That that almost looks like easy money. And you know the old adage in in wagering: if it looks easy, it ain't. It's anything but. But I I see Philly having a lead, and, and I see Kansas City having to pass to come back. I think Travis Kelsey over six and a half receptions is probably the one that I would do. Just the way that even if they're not down in that game. Just Cole Hardman's not going to play. You know, their receiving core is destroyed. Uh, I guess Tony's back. Yep. But there's not too many options. And you'd think he'd get like four by halftime. That you would. You know, I expect Mahomes to throw between 30 and 35 times. So we'll see. I'll ask Raffaello Spars about that. He's coming a little bit. 0922 says, Baloo, is there any non-quarterbacks in the league that you would trade Trevor Lawrence for? No. It's far and away the most important position. Uh, to me, you know, the two guys that really stand out, Aaron Donald, and he was hurt, and he's, what, 31? <laughs> I'm not trading a 23-year-old quarterback for a 31-year-old monster uh, interior defensive line. Micah Parsons, you know, it, it gets my blood pumping a little bit, but – no. You wouldn't trade any top 10 quarterback no. in the league for any player, nope. any non-quarterback. I wouldn't. That would just be silly. If you could take any non-quarterback in the league, I think I'd take Micah Parsons. I think I would. I'd take Justin Jefferson. Okay. Or maybe Chase. I just okay. think receivers are so important nowadays. But Edge, of course, is as well. Well, you know how my you know my feeling, and I didn't like what they did last year in the draft, going defense, 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 defense. Um, but Parsons is absolutely sick. Now you go who? Justin Jefferson? Did you Justin say? Jefferson or Jamar Chase? Love those dudes. Uh, and that's a bona fide freak, number yeah. one with a bullet. Mm-hmm. Both. Yep. I would be shocked if they both don't get gold jackets. Can't think of anywhere outside I, I'd go. Uh, Maybe McCaffrey, but he's always hurt. Nah, no way I'm going to back. Yeah. And I like Taylor better than him anyway, and he's hurt. That's the thing with these guys. It's just they're so replaceable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great question. But uh the answer to that is uh is no. What about TJ Watt, Nick Bosa? very good. Both very good. Um I don't know if you can go wrong with either of them. But I wouldn't. I would stay with the quarterback. What about Snoop Connor? <laughs> the Snoop Connor comment is awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little lengthy. Um, I don't know if I want to get into that. Uh, uh, 9247 Blue, uh, percentage chance for Doug getting it uh, tonight, the Associated Press Coach of the Year. If he doesn't get it, it's a joke. 
I don't think he's going to get it. I think it's going to Brian Dayball. Okay. I, and I don't know this. I'm not sourced on it. I'm not like, you know, working the phones. Hey, who, who, behind the scenes, who's going to get the AP coach of the year? I, I just think because of what Dayball got so much attention for, for turning things around in that city. And it, there's not a bigger, there's not a bigger place than, than New York. And I, I think that that absolutely has something to do with it. You know, we'll see. Just my opinion. And if you go by betting odds, he's the favorite. Is he? Yeah. Is he? Let me try to pull it up. Uh, 0093, Baloo, in my humble opinion, if you retire and 10 years later you're still in the top 25 among skilled players all time, at your position you should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, I... I understand what you're saying because I totally have made myself um, have let you know that to me numbers mean everything, but that's not the way that these voters think. They don't, and you know this. I'm friends. Look at Pete. Look at Pete Prisco, for instance, who I've known forever. Pete Pete would sit here on the other side and argue with me that some of these wide receivers, the these numbers end up being you know, a little bit better than pedestrian if if you put them up, you know, year after year after year. And, you know, Pete's old school, and he remembers back when there were 12 games and you were running, and then you went to 14 games. And, you know, it's interesting because with my argument, Vinny Testaverde would be in as a quarterback. And, and I, I find myself to some extent drawing the line. I, I, I do, okay? Um, it's not a perfect science. It's not. Here's another one for you. Eli Manning. There's a lot of people that think that Eli Manning should not be in the Hall of Fame. What, what is he, like one game above 500 in his career? But he won two Super Bowls. My point with Eli Manning is if you look at all of the numbers, he's like top 10. Uh, let's see. Eli's quarterback record was 117 and 117. Okay. I mean, he was a 500 quarterback. Those last four years destroyed him, or last three years, well, you know, three and twelve, five and eleven. But but besides that, he was pretty middle of the road. You know, a couple of six and tens mixed in there. 366 touchdowns, 57,000 yards passing. He completed 60 percent of his passes. There are a ton of football people who will flat out argue with that. And say no, and and a you know, it's it's hard to take out and say, well, if this didn't happen and that didn't happen, because it did happen. But certainly, if you took the two Super Bowls away from him, I think there's a ton that would say no. He's tenth all time in passing, fifty-seven thousand in 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 twenty-three yards. He also okay? has the NFL record for most passing yards in a single postseason. Mm-hmm. Passing touchdowns. Let's oh, look up Eli. Wow. Eli Manning, he's 10th all-time in passing touchdowns with 366. Uh, let's look at his quarterback rating before we bring in Rafael Esparza. Where are you at, QB rating? Um, yeah, I can't. Uh, his passer not- rating is 84. Um, 84? Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. I thought it was higher than that. 
Only 84. But is that different than quarterback rating? Yeah. Why why doesn't Pro Football Reference have quarterback rating? Okay, so his quarterback rating. QBR and then, yeah, QBR is a lot lower. It's like, you know, 40 or 50 or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, oh, it's not giving me a career. Yeah. I don't know why they don't do this. You know, it's interesting because. they do year by year. It's interesting because I know that baseball reference doesn't always give you war. And I guess that pro football reference, for one reason or another, they, they, don't, they don't always give you the Well, here's the deal percentage. with these stats. Uh, war is different on every website. So, like, Fangraph's war number is different than ESPN's war number, which is different than baseball reference war. Like, mm. they put different things in there. Yeah. It, I can't explain it all, but there's so many stats stuffed in there. Yeah, it's got me to the point where I want to say I hate numbers, yet I really do love them. And I've spent the majority of tonight's show uh, – giving them uh, to us. But, uh, yeah, that that's fascinating. I mean, when you look at Vinny Testaverde, man, Vinny Testaverde had a quarterback uh, record of 90 and 123. Okay, yet he is in the top 15 all-time in passing yards and in touchdowns. To me, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not close to being a Hall of Famer. Yet I am recognizing wide receivers and running backs, statistically speaking, with the same ranking. So if, if, if that's fraudulent, fine. I mean, rip me for it. But that's the way that I feel. I mean, Jimmy Smith ranks, if you look at quarterbacks ranking, Vinny Testaverde, and you look at Fred Taylor running backs ranking, now Fred Taylor, the one thing that sticks out for him is average per carry, 4.6. I mean, that's top three, top, I want to say it's top three all time. I really do. And, you know, Jimmy Smith's numbers are, are very comparable as well if you look at the slotting with a guy like Vinny Testaverde. But, you know, the eye test tells you that Jimmy Smith was a much better football player. So, again, it's not a perfect science. You, you can make a case either way. We need to take a break. Rafael Esparza is next. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Vegas, baby! Vegas! All right, Rafael Esparza is 30 seconds away. You know what's amazing? I've been looking up the uh, average per carry. You know, Fred Taylor, 4.6, is uh, is just phenomenal. But if you look at running backs only, so Michael Vick and Randall Cunningham are not part of this because they're one in two lifetime. The most yardage ever per carry in the history of the National Football League, with more than 1,000 carries, is former Jaguar, Jamal Charles. 5.4. Unbelievable. Jamal Charles, man, what do you have? About 10 years in Kansas City. He had one in Denver. And for those who forget, during the 2018 season, Jamal Charles played two games. He had six carries in Jacksonville for seven yards, but 5.4, wow, in, in, in a shorter career, those are massive numbers. When you look at Hall of Famers, it's Jim Brown at 5.2, and it's Gail Sears and Barry Sanders at 5. Not too far behind that is Fred Taylor at 4.6. Let's bring in our friend Rafael Esparza. He's with MyBookie and MyBookie.com. What do you say, Rafael? Not much, just the countdown. Just can they kick the ball now, please? That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, I mean, what 
all these props and everything that's coming in and all that, is, does it drive you crazy? Because obviously when it's a regular game, you get a bunch of money. You know, you got to move the line one side to another. But tracking all of this prop type of cash, I, I got to imagine it's uh, it's exhausting. It is, and then uh, I give the middle finger to the NBA who drove me who drove me crazy all day uh, last night and today. So I had to throw that in the mix. So yeah, yeah it's been a crazy uh, forty eight hours. I think I've had about maybe three hours of sleep. How much of uh, of the NBA odds changed uh, with Irving and now the uh, the Durant trade that went down? They changed pretty much. Uh, I mean, everyone thought the Suns were going to be the clear favorites. We have them the second. I mean, you still got to think the Nuggets, the Bucks are ahead of them, the Celtics uh, probably ahead of them. And we don't know how this team is going to gel. Kevin Durant's still out with a knee injury, so it's not like he's going to be able to play. But yeah, a lot of teams got interesting uh, uh, today with the big group, some of the trades. All right, we got a little bit more than 48 hours, uh, actually more than that, but we got all day Friday and Saturday for more wagers to come in. What's the latest here on Kansas City and Philadelphia? Uh, it's still Eagle big money, public money coming in on Kansas City. I mean, we've had, we've seen multiple million-dollar bets on Eagle's money line. Most of the, I would say $10,000 or less coming in. On Kansas City and Kansas City money line, they're not. They don't want that plus one and a half. They rather take the plus one hundred five, plus one ten, whatever uh, you can get that uh, money line at. And the total has been wishy washy. Uh, I, I would say the total has probably been one of the most even balanced total I've seen in the Super Bowl. I would say in the past ten years. Mm. Do you see it moving it again before kick, or do you think this is where it's going to stay? I think this is what's going to stay unless we get a little bit more those six figures or higher on Eagles. Then we might see a two. I don't see. I don't think we'll see a one. Mm-hmm. I think it's either two or one and a half. Before we get to the props, I'm I'm watching Colorado, the defending Cup champions in Tampa, and we just had a battle here at the end of the first period. Do you ever do props for hockey fights? Uh, I, I did way back in the day when I was in Vegas, we would do stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, now that the rules and you don't see as much fighting, uh, anymore, which, it, which drives me crazy. People always make fun of when NBA is getting a fight. Oh, they shouldn't have that, but we all cheer hockey fights. I don't, or baseball fights. Oh, that's yeah. not part of the game, but we cheer hockey fights. I, I'm a little bit torn on that. Yeah. I miss it. Actually. I thought they did a great job policing it and, uh, less stick work when they were actually allowed to. Uh, throw fist and they didn't make such a big deal out of it all right let's get to some of the props now I, I you've sent me some incredible emails and there's all sorts of stuff to choose from which props do you prefer I love the cross sport ones I mean you have just so many different ones uh, that you can look into I mean for instance we're talking hockey Super Bowl total punts versus total goals of the Edmonton Oilers Montreal Canadians game on, on Sunday those <laughs> two play on Sunday uh, I love these cross-promotional ones. I think it's funny. Super Bowl total fumbles lost compared to holding ones in the Phoenix Open Golf Tournament. Well, fumbles lost is minus two dollars. So I, I now is that those. is I, that a is that a Sunday round or is that four rounds? Uh, all four rounds. Okay. Okay. So I, I enjoy those type of stuff just because uh, they're head scratchers. You really have to do research and stuff like that. So I enjoy making up. Those and I did a little bit more. I actually did a lot more Saturday ones uh, for Saturday games and Sunday ones. I think the one I'm probably most proud of because people don't remember Sunday is LSU women's versus South Carolina 
uh, women play basketball. So I have LSU women points versus Devontae Smith receiving yards. Mm. Uh, so, uh, I, I, A, I can't wait to watch that LSU-South Carolina. Both teams are undefeated. Someone, oh, has to go. And why not make a prop out of it? Uh, both teams, number one and number two in the NFL in sacks. Is there an overall sack prop? Uh, yeah, I think it's five and a half, uh, and people have been betting it under because I think it, it, the public always wants to see an over game in a Super Bowl. So uh, if you if you like the over, then why would you bet the under in sacks? So uh, I could see that being wishy-washy. I think it's going to be an under five and a half sacks. I think both. I think the running backs are going to have big key games on the screen passes and the short dump passes. I uh, uh, final thing for me. I I, I think Jalen Hurts scores a touchdown with his feet. I would play that, and I saw, what, six and a half for receptions for Travis Kelsey? That's got to go over. Yeah, uh, we need Travis Kelsey not to have a really, really big game because anything that has the word Kelsey on a prop bet uh, will probably lose. Yeah. All right, well, uh, tell us what's going on. I mean, it's an incredibly busy time of year, and um, tell us about uh, MyBookie, MyBookie.com. Also, throw out your website because I know you've got all those props that are there and I, I bet our listeners would love to take a look. Yeah, you can ju- jump on my website called youcanbetthat.com. Uh, it has all the crazy entertainment prop bets uh, that I release out to a bunch of the, the world that people copy in my uh, prop bets, which I love that they do that. So I thank you for that. Uh, don't forget Super Bowl is this Sunday. Super Bowl 57, uh, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Jump on that. And then UFC 284, on Saturday is also that. What would happen? More KOs or more touchdown passes is one of the prop bets uh, as we have for that card for UFC 284. Yep, there you have it. That should be a great weekend, no doubt about it. Rafael, always a pleasure uh, talking to you again next Thursday. Thank you. Take it easy. Enjoy the hockey game. Love this Tampa Bay game. Great game. Oh, yeah. Going to watch that tonight uh, through one now, but um, uh, some really good hockey going. I hate the fact that Boston's off for 10 days. I, I, I hate that rule. UFC 284, oh, by the way, you know, the last two marches, the fighting has come through Jacksonville. I, I do not think that is going to be the case uh, this year. Uh, it's now what the ninth day of February, and I haven't heard anything. I that's disappointing, only because you know that event broke COVID. It was the first live sporting event. Uh, two years ago, and then, of course, last year, again, it was absolutely phenomenal. They do such a great job with uh, the UFC uh, out there, but we'll see if they get one. Right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen in the 2023 calendar year. Uh, We have late-breaking news real fast. So the SEC has just announced that Texas and Oklahoma will be joining in 2024 a year early. The combined cost is $100 million to the Big 12 to get them to join. Stroke a check. There you have it. Hackers next. I'm Rick Ballou. We'll talk tomorrow at 6.